Welcome to the season finale of Hoodoo Plant Mamas. I am one of your co-hosts, Leah Nicole. And I'm Danny B. And before we get started today, Danny B, how have you been since our last episode? I've been okay. I've started a new job. On the upside, I it's remote. On the downside, it's just, you know, it's always hard having to learn a bunch of new shit all at once. So it's been... It's been a lot, but I'm thankful. Um, thankful for better pay. Um, so that's good at least. Uh, but yeah, how are you? Um, doing much better. I felt like crap the past couple of weeks. I think I had the flu. Um, <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't that great. But yeah, I'm doing much better. I'm feeling a lot better in my body. Um, yeah. That's how I'm feeling. Well, I am thankful for new beginnings. It's so interesting that I've got so many new beginnings and also about to be in a new decade in a couple of months. So um thankful for the podcast as usual and how far we have come. So, yeah, what are you thankful for? I want to thank our guests that we've had on this season uh serene charise and money all great episodes and i'm just so glad that they got to talk with us because a lot of those things were things that i wanted to talk about for a while so i'm glad we had like outside perspective on it um so yeah thank you thank you three <laughs> for being a part of the show those were my favorite this season all of our guests so yeah so today we just kind of wanted to do a wrap-up episode for 2022 we got our spotify wrap so we thought it'd be fun to go over that and to go over um just the things that we're proud of of this year and the way that we're feeling at the end of it and what we're excited about for next year so let's get into our spotify wrap so the first thing they told us was that We created 501 minutes, which is 66% more than any other religion and spirituality um, podcast on Spotify, which I was shocked about (laughs) because it feels like I think we did 10 episodes this season. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's like, should we do more? But I think we, I think we're doing enough. Mm-hmm. I think so too, because it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> um, so Ancestor Demons was our number one most streamed. It had 189% more than our average episode. So thank y'all who like went back and listened to our first episode. <laughs> yeah. People that started number one, like. I got a lot of respect for you because when I start a new podcast, I usually try to get like the most recent 
So when I go back, I can appreciate the growth. I think Juju may have been the only podcast I actually went back and listened to. Most podcasts I just do like this year mm-hmm. or the ones that I think are the most interesting. Yeah, I haven't listened to as many. I mean, I have my usual suspects, but I definitely hadn't had the emotional capacity to start many new ones. Um, I love me some LeVar Burton. He made mm. the cut. Um, I, he's really, um, I think he favors sci-fi-ish type of stories. And I don't know, I just find it so entertaining. He's just such a good storyteller, even though it's not his stories. And I like the effects, you know, they have like them sound effects and all that. I have not listened to LeVar Burton's podcast, but I did listen to him talking about it. And he was the reason I started reading short stories. Yes. And I think, you know, those reading podcasts, I've I've been listening to, um, right now I'm listening to the Parable of the Talents Mm -hmm. um, after listening to the first book, uh, Parable of the Sower. And so I think audio books and podcasts where people are reading or telling stories is really helpful when you just don't have the energy to read. And I think it can help we're kind of pushing you to read. I feel like I'm still reading just in a different way. Um, so it doesn't make me feel like I'm not getting my creative juices, you know? So, yeah. Um, so the next thing is that in 2022, our podcast was streamed in 34 countries. And our tops were the U.S., Canada, the Netherlands, the United Kingdom, and South Africa. I was like, this podcast has been more places than I have. (laughs) Okay, because I ain't been past U.S. soil. Have not. (laughs) U.S. and Mexico, that's it. Yeah, it kind of makes me nervous because I'm like, who in the hell are these people? How y'all find us? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I wondered. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's like hundreds of people in these countries. I'm like, I don't. Thank you for listening. <laughs> we appreciate it, child. <laughs> um, this was really exciting. We're the top 5% of podcasts shared on Spotify. Oh. I know. Look at us. Spotify needs to make us one of their like Spotify creators. Hello. <laughs> yes. 28% of our listeners follow our podcast. I'm just saying if you're part of the 72, please <laughs> follow and uh, rate us on Spotify. We're also the top 5% most followed podcast on Spotify. So thank you. So they did like a listening profile for um for this year for the Spotify rap and it says our listeners are time travelers who seek out podcasts that are new to them. So I'm guessing a lot of you probably don't listen to religion and spirituality or if you do it's not your top. But yeah. Anyway, thank you for being here. Yeah. <laughs> And so the last thing is that we're a number one podcast for 249 people, a top five for 1,010 people, and a top 10 for 1,574 people, which is a lot. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for listening to us this year. Thank y'all for continuing to support us. Like we are doing this because of y'all. And thank you so much. Seriously, because... That might not be a lot to some people, but we don't, I don't even have a thousand followers on any of my social media platforms. So the fact that, and I think that for us, because we started from scratch, 
we didn't start from like a lot of people it's no shade or anything but a lot of people that are able to just get up and have a podcast and then it's successful in this first season they had large followings already on social media or youtube and that stuff and we really started from nothing essentially and the fact that we have even a thousand people that are listening to our podcast enough for us to be in your top five it's surprising um and it also is like no it's not in a bad way it's just like wow how do we manage to get a thousand people listening more than a thousand obviously but like even just thinking about the fact that a thousand people are supporting us when mm-hmm. we don't even have i don't even know we have a thousand combined now the podcast does the podcast. we have a thousand combined <laughs> now the th- the podcast has a over a thousand followers um mm-hmm. which i'm sure majority of them actually legitimately listen to the episodes um so yeah i don't know i just am really proud of our work like we did that with pretty much nothing but our little microphones and computers and brain power <laughs> <laughs> so yeah So yeah, I just wanted to like kind of wrap up this year and ask you what accomplishments are you proud of? Um, Well, of course, the podcast growth, like when I saw the wrapped up, I was like, I cannot believe how much we've grown and our growth as far as followers and stuff to a little bit over 200%. That is a lot. Um, And we started this podcast, what at the end, was it the end of 2020? Yeah, it was yeah, two, first in. Two years. And we've had so much growth and made so many beautiful connections. I'm just really proud because I've I had always wanted to do a podcast and sometimes I just forget like this was something you've been talking about and putting on vision boards and stuff for a long time. And then once something happens, sometimes we just forget like you asked for something and it happened and not negating the work that was put in but you know sometimes we get caught in the work and forget that we manifested something for ourselves the other side of manifestation is work like it's not just gonna happen you really do have to be working towards it um and then the other accomplishment is we gonna get into the the you know the wrap-up of our year as a whole like personally but I got this job. I just started it at the end of the year. And I got to tell you, it's something about them last six months of the year that be whooping my ass every time. Like I'm trying to remember a time where I wasn't getting jumped for the last six months. But especially when I'm going through a big transition. So I finished grad school. The month was barely over. Barely got into June. I'm in the hospital because of my appendix, which I don't even, once again, there is literally no logical purpose for an appendix. I don't know if we got some doctors listening to this. You could go to hell because I know too many people. My daddy, my daddy, about two or three months before me, his appendix ruptured. As soon as I announced that it was my appendix, I had five or six people. Oh, yeah, mine got taken out too. So what is the reason? I'm really upset about it. 
I don't like being in the hospital and I don't like being in pain um, or missing work, missing money. Um, but I'm really proud of the podcast and I'm really proud of the fact that even if it's right at the end of the year, I got a, a new job that feels promising and it feels aligned with my interest and what I want to do. And so, yeah, here we are. What about you? Um, I'm going to agree with you. I am really proud of the podcast and watching it grow and getting new listeners. It's always weird to me, especially when I meet new people, um, which the fellowship I had this year, I met new people and I talked about it. And a lot of the people from that fellowship, they'll like message me and be like, I love your latest episode where you talked about this, this and this. And I was like, I forget people listen to it. I just talk and put it out there. I completely forget that there are like people on the other end listening to this and hearing what I have to say and validating it and then telling me how much they liked it. I'm like, oh my God, thank you. (laughs) So that's, uh, it's just such a reassuring feeling that like everything I'm doing is not for nothing, um, that someone else is validating it. So what I'm proud of this year in particular is that I started writing fiction I think before this year I probably wrote three or four fiction stories in my entire life um I mainly wrote uh poetry until I was about 20 and then I wrote essay and nonfiction until this year where I like pretty much have mostly written fiction and it's been so much fun and I've been able to like explore and experiment and I don't know I feel like Fiction isn't as high stakes as nonfiction where you're writing about real life and then you have to consider other people's feelings and you have to be like, well, I want to write about this, but this person I want to write about doesn't want me to write about them. So am I allowed to write? There's a lot going on. (laughs) There's a lot going on. And fiction is just, I don't know. It's been a lot of fun for me. Um, Also this year, as I said, I was in a... Um, the Women's National Book Association Authentic Voices Fellowship. I got to meet a lot of amazing writers in that. Um, and I got to work on my craft. It was also another validating experience. I applied for it last year. I didn't get it. Um, so I applied for it again this year and I got it. So because of that, my work is going to be published in an anthology next year called Between Pleasure and Pain. I'll probably talk about it closer to publication date. So I'm excited about that. Um, I also got a grant this year for my writing back in July. And again, just to have someone like validate this thing that I have been doing (laughs) in my house by myself going around in circles, not knowing whether or not I'm making any progress and to have someone else read my work and be like, I like this enough to give you money for it. Wow. Amazing. (laughs) A blessing. I know. And then, and then also, um, I had a few, uh, bylines this year. So I was excited about that as well. So yeah, there was a lot of things I was excited about mainly had to do with writing. I'm in the in-between place with my writing, so I guess we'll get there. I thought that this would be a fun question to ask, but what color or word best represents your 2022? So a few words came to mind, even though you asked for one. Challenging, grief, and chaotic. But 
if I had to choose one as like an umbrella, I would say grief. Um, Coming to terms with a lot of shit that has turned my life upside down this year, really for the past couple of years was grief, like naming it, reading about it and feeling validated in that sometimes grief is just a hot ghetto mess. And sometimes you are just a very not so nice version of yourself when you're grieving and including not so nice to yourself. So I would say this was a year of grieving for me. Um, As far as colors, the colors that I feel like I've just been so drawn to this year have been green and orange. I feel like not just me, like brown skin in general, best skin color with orange, like orange dresses. Don't get me started on yellow, but right now we're talking about orange. Black women invented it. I don't know what to tell you. Nobody else should even try. And I'm specifically, this is no shade, no reverse colorism, but I'm specifically talking to women darker than a paper bag. Um, (laughs) Nobody's doing it better when it comes to the color orange. (laughs) Nobody's doing it better. Um, I didn't make the rules. God did. And then green is just such a beautiful and like particularly like a lighter type of green, um, like pastel. I don't know. It's just so airy. It makes me feel all like good inside. My couch is green. The couch that I recently bought, my carpet is has like kind of different shades of green in it. And so, yeah, I don't know. Those colors have just brought me joy in the midst of the grief. I think for me, the word that really stuck with me this year was surrender. And it started with me going into 2022. I was reading about this woman who was talking about how she gave up vision boards because she found them to be too restricting. And so it was better to just kind of like have an idea of what you want, but surrender the whole, like, these are, these are the things that I'm attached to. It's surrendering to your attachments, I guess. And so that's what I did this year. I didn't do a vision board for 2022. I had a loose idea of the things that I wanted to do. And I tried not to hold on too tight to them, but I also was able to accomplish things that I've been trying to accomplish for years. So yeah, surrender. And then like you, green, I don't know what happened this year. I I like green as a color, but this year I got like three new, I think I probably only got like five new pieces of clothing, but three of them were green. (laughs) And I just kept finding myself wanting to wear green, wanting to be surrounded by green. I don't know what it was. I think it's just like a very, um, the color reminds me of like just breathing of renewal. Maybe life. Life. I think that's a good way to put it. I did want to say about vision boards. I think that they had a place in my life for a period of time and I'm thankful for them. Um, But I do think that I'm, I don't know if I'm there anymore with, them having a place in my life because I do think at some point they could be restrictive or they can make you feel guilty after years and years of putting shit on my vision board and like yeah some of that stuff has happened but there are still those things that you start feeling shame about which is a whole nother thing but I think there are other ways to kind of call for things in your life 
Um, I'm not discouraged of vision boards. I think people should do what's best for them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to do one this year. I think I kind of want to just go with the flow. I have been speaking certain things over my life. Like this is the last year, me not having a car. And that's been the one thing I think sometimes you should just focus on one thing that like, this is what I need to happen. And that can make life easier as well. But that's just my, that's just an opinion. (laughs) I think another thing with vision boards is like, something I've noticed is that it may take me longer than a year to accomplish a goal. Um, So I still have my vision board up that I did at the end of 2020. And I'm just now accomplishing some of those things that I put on there. So it could just be I'm doing them too often. Maybe once a year is too often for it. That's a good point. And since, you know, so I'm turning 30 in February and I might do something of like, oh, some things I would like to do in my, in this new decade. But I think that's a good idea. Doing a vision board every two to five years or something. I feel like five years is good because so much can happen in five years. So much. And before you know it, you'll look up and be like everything on there is accomplished. So, or almost nearly accomplished. So yeah, I like that idea. Not doing it as often. Yeah. And just give yourself more time. So our last question before the break is what was the biggest lesson that you learned in 2022? And maybe there are a few. I would say one of the lessons is, is that relationships have the capacity to end, whether it's friendship or um, a romantic situation. Like nothing is forever. People change, people evolve, people grow apart. And I... I think it's something that I've tried to like run away from or be in denial about when I feel close to people and build certain types of relationships. It's really hard for me to let go. And so learning that sometimes you just got to fucking let go. It doesn't necessarily mean that anybody is a bad person, but life be life in and life is unpredictable. So Yeah, that's like a long way to say shit is unpredictable. People are unpredictable. Life is unpredictable. And you really have to learn to just like go with it and accept it and not let it beat you down. You know, what about you? So for me, I had a few big lessons that I learned this year. I think the first one was health wise. I was having health problems in 2021 and they were kind of exacerbated by having COVID earlier this year. And I was really like beating myself up about it because it took me like a month um, to get over COVID. But really, I just learned like how much I needed to slow down, how much I needed to prioritize my rest and my health or what health I do have and and just not work on like the timeline that capitalism tells us we need to work on like I said earlier sometimes it's going to take me longer to do something but I can still do it Um, which brings me to my second thing I learned which was consistency I interviewed Juju back in um, October and something she said in that interview was like whatever you do every day has the power to change your life And she was talking about ritual. And so in August, the beginning of August, I actually started working on a new book. And I worked on, not every day, I'm not a daily writer like some people, but I'm a most days writer. (laughs) Um, But I would, you know, 
anywhere from three to seven days a week, I would sit down and I would just try to write for two hours whenever I would have the time to write. And just very consistent with that. And right now I am a, I'm at about 50,000 words and I have about six or seven more scenes and I'll finish, I'll be done with like the second book I've ever wrote. So yeah, I know it'll be, I didn't get to write in October. So it'll be like August, September, November, and part of December. So about three and a half months to write the first draft of a book. And all I had to do was be consistent. Of course, that looks different for other people, but it showed me like, I literally can do whatever I want to do. I just have to like do little bits of a time every single day. And then the last thing that I learned, which I wrote about in my newsletter that just came out for December is letting go. And that was really hard for me. What I wrote about was having to shelve the memoir that I've worked on for the last three years. <laughs> um, and a lot of the reason why I had to shelve it was one, I felt like I had worked through everything that I had worked through. I had the answer to the question that I originally had when I set out to do it. For me, I'm personally, I'm done. Like I, I've done the work that I wanted to do when I started writing that memoir, but in its current state, it's not publishable. So I had to think like, do I really want to sit and deal with this in order to make it publishable? Or do I want to work on something I actually want to work on? Which is why I started writing the second book. Um, but yeah, it was a very tough decision to let go of this book. But it was also necessary for me. Something that Ahime Ora talked about years ago was like, letting your art be a place where you can bury your pain and your suffering. And that was something that I was doing when I wrote that memoir. But I think the key word is bury. You can bury it and leave it buried. You don't have to keep like poking and prodding, trying to make a profit off of it. And it just kind of shifted for me and what I'm looking for in my work. Like I used to be the kind of person who was like, you know, we're black writers and our ancestors, you know, were killed if they tried to write something or read something. So every word I need to write has to be super important and has to educate and do all these things. But the primary purpose of a story is to entertain. And I really want to get into joyful stories. I want to get into happy stories. And sure, there could be like educational stuff, but I'm kind of tired of creating work that is quote unquote important. Joy is also important. Pain and trauma is not the only important thing. Joy is also important. Yes. Love, love is important. Intimacy, romance, those are important too. Like it's not just money, pain, <laughs> other things are important too. So I love that um quote that you said that um Juju Bates said to you when you interview her anything you do every day has the power to change your life I needed that I needed that and it could be the smallest things you know what one thing that changed my life this year that I did every day drink coffee changed my life for the worse because now I can't even it doesn't make no sense the tv shows are very accurate I literally be feeling like a walking zombie in the morning until I get coffee and all of a sudden I'm alive. So yeah, I'm gonna try to pick up another 
ritual <laughs> that can positively change my life. Um, but yeah, I love everything you said. I'm so happy for you um, and all you have accomplished with your writing. Um, writing two books, and even if you had to shelf one, you still wrote it. You you can still go. You will go back to it at some point, even if you don't use the whole thing. It'll be mm-hmm. helpful when you get ready to continue writing your your memoir. Memoirs are fucking hard. They are. I don't know nobody that hadn't worked on. And remember, Kiese said about heavy. Heavy started off as a whole new book that he essentially scrapped. Like he I, he always talks about how it was going to be some like weight loss successful weight loss story or some other shit and and then it turned into that so I think it's part of the process for a lot of people I remember back in college Jasmine Ward came to our school after men we reaped and she talked about the book and she was like this memoir was so like emotionally difficult for her she will never write another one and I was like surely it can't be that bad I learned the hard way. <laughs> I learned the hard way. If we read it, I don't know about you, but I cried. And I I did too. God, it tore me up so bad at several different times. I can't imagine when you've lived it and I didn't even bother reading. I actually listened to an audio tape of Natasha Trethewey's memoir, which was a whole nother thing. But you can tell when she's doing, like when she was on tour for that book, I didn't see not one interview, not one book discussion where she didn't cry. Like you could tell how emotionally heavy it was. Domestic violence, the same shit. That's the that's a part of the heaviness is that the same thing that happened to her mother is still happening, but also that shit stays with you. That lady is probably in her 50s or 60s, but when she talks about it, you can feel that like for her, it's just like yesterday. And I don't know if I ever want to go through that shit. I respect it, but damn, I can't imagine what that could do to your heart. So I think writing a memoir is important. Like for me, like I had lifelong questions about myself and pretty much everything was answered when I had like a record of it, um, of my life, but sharing it is a whole nother ballpark so I if I had to share what I have written already I would be crying (laughs) every single book too I would be crying too it is a lot it is a lot of emotional work you know I was working towards that for a little bit and I just having to go back through all them childhood memories that's why my word was grief because sometimes you don't realize how bad it was until you're having to go down that lane and you're like oh my gosh but also I know that I need to interview family members for this and I don't know if I'm ready for those discussions so it's a lot I've gotten bits and pieces of things from my grandma and all of that anyway we ain't talking we'll talk about that next season in a whole episode um (laughs) because we could talk about memoir writing all day um but yeah well did you have anything else about anything you learned from this year that kind of thing no I think I feel pretty good about what I said so I think we can go into our break thank y'all for tuning in to the show 
If you want to support us, you can rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Hoodoo Plants and Instagram at Hoodoo Plant Mamas. During the hiatus, you can find us on Patreon where we share exclusive video plants and spiritual content for only $3 a month. We also have two new patrons, Keezus and Bethany. Thank y'all so much. Always appreciative of y'all joining us over at Patreon. Yes, thank you. And if you prefer a one-time donation, you can hit us up on Cash App, hashtag Hoodoo Plant Mamas or our PayPal Hoodoo Plant Mamas at gmail.com. Let's get back to the show. Okay, so for the second half of the show, I just kind of wanted to talk about 2023 and just, you know, what we're excited for, um, our plans <laughs> in 2023. So first, what is your intention for next year? It's so funny. Your word for 2022 um, was surrender. Well, for me, for next year, surrender comes to mind. And I think it's just because I just be fighting I fight any type of change. That's been my thing. And I think that's why I struggle so much with grief because we've talked about this before. I'm a creature of habit. Once I get into a routine, I don't like things to change. I don't like for my routines and my relationships to change. It's just, it just throws me off. And so for this year and walking into my um, 30s and Um, I just want to surrender to what life throws my way because at the end of the day, it's not going to stop. Like whenever that shift or that change happens, there's literally nothing I can do to stop it. It's going to, it's going to happen and I just have to acclimate. So yeah. What about you? I think my intention for next year is to enjoy. Um, this was something that came up in my newsletter a couple months ago where I, I'm just like hustling, 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 always trying to do things. And I never really sit down and just enjoy it. You know, enjoy how far we've come, enjoy the work that I've produced, um, enjoy where I am in my life, you know? So that's my goal for next year, just to sit back and enjoy where I'm at. Hey, man, I know that's right. So what are you most excited about for 2023? There's so much. Um, Like I said, like I have a short story that is coming out um, in an anthology in 2023. I'm also, I'm almost done with this book that I'm working on. And then I want to revise it and send it to beta readers. I feel confident that this is almost finished, but I know like books can take a while to write. My hope is that I can get it sold next year. That is <laughs> that is my hope for this uh, YA novel that I'm working on. Um, also, me and my roommate, we decided that <laughs> uh, we renewed our lease for one more year. But then after that, we decided that we're going to leave Florida, um, which I'm super excited about. I feel like Florida has helped me a lot in terms of healing a lot of things that I grew up with. Uh, Like I said, writing that memoir helped me to answer a lot of questions that I've had my entire life. And I just feel like I did a lot of the work on myself that I needed to do, that I can feel safer um, being closer to Mississippi. 
and that I can actually enjoy like being back in the South. So I'm going back to the South. I'm going um, back. Excuse <laughs> me, but Florida is still the South. Not where I'm. Northern Florida is the South. Southern Florida is like, it's a mix of Midwesterners and then people from the Caribbean. That's mm. this culture here. But okay. Northern Florida is the South. Okay. But I don't live there, so. Damn. Well, I'm happy for y'all that I have a feeling we about to have a reverse migration soon because the price of living in these other places, nobody can afford to be alive. And then y'all gonna come down here and make them hike up the prices, but ooh, I don't even want to get into that. I think that happened in Florida, like in 2020, a lot of people from New York and California were moving here because it's cheaper and there are less taxes. They did the same thing to Atlanta. Mm. Yeah, it's still happening. It's too expensive for us. So. <laughs> Listen, I one thing about it, Mississippi gonna be the last place. So I don't expect with exception to places like Oxford or like where universities and stuff at, I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm good. I'm good. As long as I stay here, even if I live somewhere else for a little bit, this is home. I ain't never got to worry about y'all gentrifying here. Cause y'all scared to be here. Um, <laughs> well, what I'm most excited for is traveling. Um, I've been talking to my friend who lives in Berlin about this thing. Um, her and her partner and it's so funny because on Twitter the other day Crystal was like Crystal from the read had tweeted okay y'all well since we talking about it uh, what's more racist Spain or Germany literally every black person was saying how like obviously racism was everywhere but they were saying how they didn't really feel out of place in Germany that Spain was worse as far as the racism they faced, which is, I mean, there's no surprise there. I guess the only surprise is that it wasn't bad in Germany. But specifically in Berlin, I've read a lot about that experience. I think Berlin is more like hippie-ish kind of, has that kind of culture. And there's also, it's just like more diverse. So as a black person, you don't really stand out. Is the vibe that I got from the different articles and stuff I read about it. So anyway, I'm excited about hopefully visiting there next year, if not next year, the year after, but I'm shooting for next year. Um, I'm excited to just for new opportunities for my career, as far as writing and, you know, getting this book together. My thing is I'm not even thinking about the selling part. Cause I'm not at that point yet, but I really just want to get the book. Like I, I want to get a solid piece of work that then the years follow, I can feel like, all right, time to move forward. But we going to get there. This is supposed to be positive. Damn. But yes, new opportunities, um, my writing career and, and doing more writing and traveling. I think it's fine if it's not all the way positive. Like we're still in a pandemic. We still have to, <laughs> there's still inflation and stuff and all of that is perfectly fine. So um, one of the last questions I had is, how are you planning on taking care of yourself next year? I need to find a therapist. And, you know, it's so hard. And I really want the experience that other people's have where they just love their therapist. And I can't say I've really had that. My Me and my psychiatrist, who I don't see anymore, it was more of a 
it wasn't therapy. It was literally like meeting with this person once a month and talking about treatment stuff. Um, but I really need a therapist. And the other way, this is so embarrassing to say, but also I know that it's common. Finding a doctor that I trust, finding a primary physician. Listen, when it comes to Mississippi, I'm a stand beside her. Okay. But I do have to be honest and that it is so fucking hard as a black person and as a black woman and as a queer person here to find a doctor that's not going to be fucking offensive. To find a gynecologist that's not going to have anti-abortion propaganda in the office or making all kind of assumptions about what type of person you are if you've had an abortion. It's just in general hard to trust doctors and health professionals where so many of them are just fucking racist like I don't trust my health with y'all I don't trust any of my health I don't even trust that y'all gonna do right by me if there's actually something wrong partly because I'm fat let's start there not to mention me being black so I really I, I need to I need to so bad because it might be more dangerous to avoid the doctor um I don't even know at this point at the rate these nurses and stuff going um (laughs) and then I do want to eat better like not on no diet culture shit I just know how my body feels when I'm when it's when my food is colorful and now I feel like I could probably afford to have more colorful food and and get groceries regularly and so I want to do that and I and I want to be kinder to myself there's so many different, like, I, I know that my, my style is evolving and so much of what I, how I see myself as far as how I want to dress, how I want to look, how I want my hair to be. A lot of what stops me is because of, you know, oh, you too big for that, or that doesn't look good on you or this, that, and the other. And it's like, I want to be in my fucking air. Like, do you like this? You can't be spending too much time. I think I did a rant on my close friends about what do you actually lose? What What am I losing by just doing what the fuck I want and stop worrying about what somebody else thinks? What do I lose by divesting from fat phobia, which is really at the core of a lot of my inability to be kind to myself? So that's what I'm ready for. I can, I, I'm ready for that type of freedom. What about you? <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say I do agree with you. It's so hard finding a doctor. The doctor that I had, she was kind of like, oh, it'd be nice if you lose weight. But she didn't stay on it like previous doctors I've had. So I was like, I can deal with this. That's fine. But she's quitting next week. So I'm getting some random new doctor who I have not vetted. So I don't know. I know he's a man, so I don't know if he's going to be like, hey, fatty, lose your weight before I can deal with any of your health problems. <laughs> it's so bad. That's what they, it's like, that is their answer for everything. I'm like, wow, I have tinnitus. And they're like, have you thought about losing weight? I'm like, don't know how that's going to help my ear, but okay. People have died because they think that weight is the first and foremost thing that they need to be addressing. And me and you, the girls could be calling us the small fat. So imagine what, uh, like, imagine what bigger women or people are dealing with. I can't even imagine if I'm getting treated like this. Like, huh? Anyway, 
I I'm nervous about whoever my new doctor is going to be, but I just hope they listen to me. Um, so my plan for next year is definitely more naps. That's something that I've had to do this year um, just because of COVID. And then when I had the flu, that was kind of what keep me in. I'm like, dang, I need to take a nap every single day. What's going on? <laughs> I had the flu. <laughs> um, I also want to take more breaks. Like I usually am constantly working on something. And this year I have been, I've actually read the most books, I think, that have not been assigned to me. This is probably the most, this is definitely the most I've done in my adult life. I don't know in my entire life, but this is definitely the most books I've read in my adult life. And I've just had a lot of fun. I've been, uh, I guess it's more of my emotional well-being. I've been um, reading a lot of YA and it's all kinds like YA fantasy, YA romance. And it's so good. Oh, it's so good. Usually I will read a book in a day and I'm like, this cannot be healthy for me, but it, it makes me feel good. So. I, I want to keep doing that. I also, this year, I learned how to swim. So next year, I really want to get into the water and just practice swimming. It's so much fun. It's also exercise, but it's a lot of fun, and I do want to get better at it. So that's my, that's, those are my plans for next year. Knowing how to swim would be nice. I don't think I'm that invested, but this might just be me being lazy. Um <laughs> But you reminded me that one of the other things that I definitely want to do next year, I need to get to somebody's beach. Like I need to be up in some water. So yeah. Well, any other final thoughts about the new year? You got a birthday coming up too. Yeah, I do. I will be 28 in February. You got through the curse 27th. Not yet. Almost. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm speaking too soon. But let me tell you something. Y'all just don't know. 27, like I see why, why I be taking people out. That's all I'm going to say. I was right at my 12th reason. <laughs> right before I turned 28. That's all I'm going to say. I have no idea what 28 is going to bring. I feel like that's like solidly late 20s. <gasps> But yeah, it is. I'm excited. I'm excited because I know, I guess being around older people throughout my 20s, they are always like, your life doesn't start until you're 30. So I just kind of view this time as like, I can do whatever and it doesn't really matter, you know? <laughs> Listen, that's what I, these people, let's talk about the fact that the kids be acting like 23, 24 is old now. <laughs> I was like, y'all not going to stand a chance because y'all are going to be so pressed about getting older. If you think that, if you think anything before 65 is old, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but also, I just think it's so dangerous how people just keep dragging it as far as like what's considered like old. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're so, we're so young. When people be all shocked about me being 29, how the hell do you think somebody in their 20s is supposed to look? I'm 29, beloved. I'm, did you hear that? 29. <laughs> and when I turn 30, it's going to be the same thing. 30 is so young. Everybody that I know in their 30s are still like finding their footing. But 
I also know that everybody says it gets better, mm-hmm. especially once you turn 40. So mm-hmm. I'm ready. Okay. Like I ain't got time to be sitting over here with y'all lamenting about, you know, I'm about to be, I already know I haven't peaked yet. That's the problem. I'm not, I, I'm not peaking at 25. Praise God. As hard as it's been, I'm going to be really, really fine. Like the older I get. And <laughs> that's blessing and a curse. That's just the way it goes. So I'm excited about that, especially um, the fact that I just keep getting better and better and better. Like by 50, y'all not going to be able to tell me shit. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm scared of her. I'm scared to even know who she, what she's going to be like. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I wish that for a lot of younger people, I think, When I was 22 and I worked at my first full-time job, I was one of two people under the age of 40. And so it really did shape the way that I saw like life because they were all like, you're young, you're young. And I was over here like, no, I'm not young because I saw it as them dismissing me and dismissing like the things that I could do. But in reality, I'm like, yeah, 22 is young. (laughs) I see what you're saying. (laughs) Listen, I used to feel that way too. I used to feel that way even in my when I was going into my late twenties. And it's like now I see that no, you really you're young, like you're a fucking baby. I used to get pissed when people like I would be like, Oh, I'm 27. Oh, you're a baby. Like I know who a baby. <laughs> who a baby? You don't know what I've been through. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it really, it really is so young. There's so much you don't know, so much to learn. Yeah, and it does help if you are around older people because it helps give you perspective. It did for me, especially mm-hmm. hearing them say like, "Oh, my 30s was when my life got started, and then my 50s is the best time of my life." And yeah, and it's just like this is just the beginning. Hopefully, this is just the beginning of your life, um, mm-hmm. and you have a lot more life to live also I think it's very important to remember that like work is not all there is I know everyone's like trying to get on a 30 under 30 you ain't gotta subtweet me <laughs> but also not directed at you personally <laughs> but no I know so many people who are like I gotta get x y and z I gotta get this point in my career and here I am unemployed <laughs> just trying to live out my dreams <laughs> listen it's either career stuff or it's getting married and having kids yeah i can't like this ain't no shade i'm not really friends with a lot of heterosexual people and the few that i am are not like this but i'm just saying what i peep the girls is scrambling soon as they get 28 and 29 it's like where the hell did this person come from like you engaged who where they come from because last week you wasn't with nobody like this people be getting desperate and it makes me so sad because yes when I turned 30 I already said that I'm I feel a way about the fact that I'm single and I'm about to be 30 and then I gotta uh fucking get through Valentine's Day shortly after being alone but I'm not going to go out here and grab some person I met on fucking Bumble just to say that I got somebody at 30. No. Because at the end of the day, most of the time I'm fine. I'm like, whoopee. I'd be happy to wake up with nobody in my house. 
I'd be like, damn, I ain't got to wake up to no kids. I ain't got nobody on my back. Like, you know, most of the time it's chill. Um, but I think it's completely fair to to have those feelings. But don't be out here making drastic decisions. I did not know that y'all was doing it like that. Like, don't be out here making decisions that can ruin your life in the long run all because you don't want to look alone because when you turn 30, like, it's not cute and it's not worth it. So there was someone that we went to college with and she <laughs> already knows she's engaged and she has not known this man for a year but that's the thing i didn't realize and i saw a whole thread on this but i i i see it happening in real time with other people i know like it's actually really common and i did not know that it was still that bad like damn why they even give us bank accounts at this point? You know, <laughs> if y'all was still going to be acting like this and pushing the whole, not to mention on TikTok, the 22 year olds that think they grown pushing this whole stay at home life, stay at home mom life and acting like being a, a spoiled wife is it. It's never, it's most of the time it's not like that. The people that is like that for already got money. Like, I'm sorry. That's true. Cause how are you 22 year old and can support a stay at home? We're not Carisha. Everybody think that they Carisha. Okay. Like that man can walk out of her life tomorrow and she literally is going to be fine. Like for, and that's the case for a lot of these wealthier women that have wealthy men that seemingly are like they sugar daddy or something. It's not the same. It's not the same. That, that tech guy that you met that is saying he going to take care of you. Like you said, y'all need older women friends. And I'm not talking about friends in their 30s. I'm talking about women that have lived 50 and up because I've had so many tell me y'all the life that y'all are pushing um, and you're like, uh, get rid of feminism or whatever. These women done live through this. These men will literally leave you high and dry. You ain't never had a job in your life. Do y'all know, do you know how fucking difficult it is when you've been a stay-at-home mama or stay-at-home wife for 20 years and a man can up and decide to leave you because he ain't losing shit? This lady that I met working a job while I was in college told me, she was like, I went to college, but all I did was stay at home with the kids. As soon as the kids got wrong, her husband divorced her. And it took her forever to find a job because she had never really worked. So I be pissing me off because I was like, y'all need y'all need some people in y'all life. Y'all need to be talking to people. Y'all hanging around girls that's the same age as you with no type of critical thinking. Thank God I had women when I was that young, over 30, over 40, that pulled my coattail. Because who knows where <laughs> I'd be. <laughs> like they snatched it. They snatched me up quick. Okay. That's what the girls is needing. But yeah, we can get off that tangent. Any other thoughts? <laughs> I do want to say it was actually like looking at older women. So the beach that I go to full of retirees, those women go to the beach with their bodies looking any kind of way. And that's how I go to. <laughs> that's what it taught me. Cause I'm like, imagine spending your whole life thinking you're not thin enough. You're not this enough. You're not. Th-, and you just cover yourself up and then you get old and you're like, I'm never going to have that body again. So it's like, fuck it. You know, that's, that's really the energy of older women. Fuck it. 
<laughs> no, literally. And also, they be looking good. That's the thing. Like, social media has warped the way bodies are supposed to look. If we didn't have the image of what a quote-unquote beach body is supposed to look, people's mm-hmm. bodies would just be their beach body. Like, bodies change. Body ha- bodies have bodies have stretch marks. People have stomachs. Like, what the fuck is a stomach, you know? But I'm there, too. That's the place I'm trying to get at with my body is that who the fuck cares? Who cares at this point? You know you're not going to get a BBL, okay? I don't like... Like, for me, it's not worth it. I support um, any kind of body modification that people want to get. But for me, I've thought about it. I've even looked at stuff like, oh, you know, tummy tuck. I already know me. Soon as I soon as I lay, get ready to lay down in the bed, I'm going to be like, you know what? <laughs> Never mind. I'm going to go because I don't <laughs> got time to be not being able to move for six weeks. It's not worth it for me. I'm going to go and have me a burger or something. <laughs> so... And that's changed right there. That's how I know that I've changed because if I had access to a fucking BBL at 22, 23, I would have got it. It would have been very much worth it. Now I'm at a point where I'm like, I I don't have the best body image, whatever, but I ain't that damn bad. Like it's something I think about, but it most of the time it's not really consuming me. It's like, I got other shit to worry about, like my rent. <laughs> like my bills I don't know (laughs) it's just other more pressing things right now than me and my belly um so yeah shout out to everybody over 30 at this rate y'all the blueprint um (laughs) so if you like this episode you can like rate and review hoodoo plant mamas on spotify and apple podcast so vera wrote to us and said, I'm halfway through your writing the spirit episode and just had to message. This is exactly where I'm at right now in life. I think your episode was a message for me as well. There's so much more I could say, but just wanted to say thank you. You're the only podcast right now that makes me feel validated and heard and even loved, which is something I really need. So thank you. Thank you, Vera. (laughs) Damn, that was so sweet. I can't believe y'all be finding us and feeling this way about us. But (laughs) If anything from the show resonated with you, make sure to share with us on social media. You can find us once again on Twitter at Hoodoo Plants and Instagram at Hoodoo Plant Mamas. Thank y'all so much for supporting us. We will see you next year. Yes, bye. Bye.